0: Hello, this is Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. Our analysts unpack the economic numbers in China, Indonesia and the Philippines and also the downgrade in GDP forecast for Singapore. Over in Malaysia, we expect business as usual after the state elections and look forward to new policy announcements, including any updates on the KL Singapore High-Speed Rail Project. Vincent Poon, our Head of Fixed-Income Research, moderates the call. Good
1: morning, everyone. It's 8 o'clock on Monday. Uh, Quick recap for last week. Global stocks traded mix. In the US, the SP 500 index was down by 0.3%, and the tech heavy NASDAQ declined by about 2%, pulled down by a sell off in semiconductor stocks such as AMD, NVIDIA, and Micron. Treasury yields increased 10 to 15 bips, while corporate credit spreads remained uh, largely stable. Uh, coming- To Asia, the Nikkei 225 increased 0.9%, but the Hang Seng and Shanghai Composite Indices fell 3-4% to due to weak China data and a missed coupon payment by Country Garden on its dollar bonds, uh, which dampened sentiment in the property sector. For ASEAN, stock indices were generally higher, except Philippines, which fell 0.7% last week. The US CPI data show additional progress on this inflation trend. On a month-on-month basis, uh, core CPI increased by less than 0.2% for a second straight month with broad-based weaknesses in core goods, Uh, although another measure of prices, uh, which is the Producer Price Index, or PPI, came in slightly higher than expected. European natural gas prices jumped by more than 20% last week on fear of worker strikes in Australia, and that could cause supply disruptions. Uh, This adds to concerns uh, to the run-up in energy prices in recent months. Uh, recently, comments by FOMC members show divided views on future interest rate path. Governor Bowman said uh, additional tightening would be needed and San Fran Fed President Dali also made a similar, uh, similarly hawkish comment. But uh, some other FOMC members like um Parker said the Fed may be able to pause rate hike. And Currently, the market is pricing in a low Probability of about 10 to 15% chances for another 25 bit rate hike in September. Over the weekend, we had uh, Malaysia state election results. Uh, later, we'll have Suhaimi to comment on this. Uh, one data released last week uh, on Malaysia Ringgit bonds is um, it received a huge 11.3 billion uh, inflows in July. And year to date, flows uh, surged to more than 30 billion. Uh, for Singapore, uh, it announced that it will hold presidential election on the 1st of September if more than one candidate is running for the post. Uh, Philippines and Indonesia released second quarter GDP last week, but the performance was uh, mixed. Later, we'll have Zamros um, and Brian to comment on this. This week, the key data to watch out for uh, include China's uh, monthly activity data, uh, Malaysia second GDP on Friday, uh, second quarter GDP on Friday, uh, also the FOMC minutes. There are two central bank meetings in the region. Uh, we have the New Zealand Reserve Bank and also Philippines BSP. Uh, a Consensus expect both to keep rate unchanged. Uh, this morning we have Habin, uh, Sohaimi, Erica Zamros, and Brian on Econ's update. Anan on ASEAN equity strategy as well as um, some thoughts on Malaysian new industrial master plan uh, to be re- unveiled later this month. Uh, cheating on the plantation sector and the uh, KL Singapore high-speed rail uh, recent development, and Yanjing on the shipping sector. Uh, let's start with Hambin. Uh, Singapore's Ministry of Trade and Industry, MTI, downgraded GDP outlook this year, uh, despite uh, uh, no technical recession. Uh, why is it the case? Do you expect manufacturing downturn to continue for the rest of the second half? And do you see any bright spot?
2: Hey, morning, Vincent. Um, so, yes, Singapore, Averted a technical recession, um, but the MTI has downgraded growth to the lower part of the range from the earlier forecast. So it's now ex- expecting 0.5 to 1.5%. For well, second quarter growth um, held up, growing at 0.5%. That's just slightly better than 0.4% in the first. And essentially, services that's uh, supporting the growth, uh, you know, this, despite a very sharp manufacturing contraction in the first part of the year. So we're maintaining our growth forecast for this year, 0.8%. And then uh, we're looking for a recovery, 2.2% next year. Uh, For us, the growth downturn is looking to be quite shallow. And I think the risk of a recession has abated. Manufacturing will probably remain pretty soft in the second half, uh, probably possibly recovering the fourth quarter. Uh, But bear in mind, I think uh, we'll pass the worst from the deep contractions seen in the early part of the year. Uh, we're also looking for some reopening boost, a small boost to trade in volumes uh, from China's reopening. Bear in mind that even though last week, China reported uh, a, fall, a sharp fall in uh, export values, fell by 12.4%, the China import volumes actually went up by 13.8%. So I think we have to make a distinction between the volume and the value effects simply because of the sharp fall in some commodity prices. Um, there was also some surprises in the Singapore second quarter In particular, we were caught out by the transport and storage sector, uh, which actually expanded 4.6% in the second quarter. Again, led by a sharp increase in container throughput, which was up 7.4% versus the contraction in the first quarter and the total sea cargo handle. Again, even though Nordics contracted, this seems to suggest a pickup in trade volumes in the region. Same with the wholesale trade services. We were looking for a small contraction. We actually expanded 1.1% in 2Q. Um, again, consistent with the idea that maybe some of the falling and lower commodity prices are kind of a camouflaging the strength and pick up in the regional trade activity volumes. Um, on the services side, there is some fading up from the revenge spending. So both accommodation and f services still. So we're expecting some sort of revenge sectors to return the more normal economic growth rates by early 2024. Uh, but some of the other services sectors, including financial, professional, and trade-related sectors, I think will pick up to provide some offset Construction growth is still very strong, 6.8%. We're expecting it to remain so for this year, rest of this year next year. Uh, even then, uh, yeah, even though we're like more than one year out of the pandemic, uh, the sector remains about 20% below pre-pandemic levels. Uh, encouraging that the enc- employment data is showing the gradual return of construction workers and some of the projects can probably uh, be expedited.
1: On monetary policy, uh, do you think it's likely to be unchanged in October?
2: Currently, we're expecting MES M- to maintain the current appreciation stats um, just to contain core inflation pressures. Uh, it is sliding, but I think it still remains above the MES's M- comfort range. Um, and I think the MES M- will also be looking forward and might be mindful of the inflation pressures as coming from the 1% GST hike on 1st Gen. There's also a very sharp increase in carbon taxes up to $25 from the current $5. So up 100% on first gen as well. Uh, Bear in mind, there's also the scheduled wage increases and expansion of the progressive wage model to more sectors, which could sustain some of wage cost pressures we've seen. Uh, We've lowered some inflation forecasts for this year because of low commodity prices, but we're actually upping inflation forecasts next year slightly because we think that the the downturn in energy and food prices seems to have reached the bottom and could be rising from here. And then also um, the potential impact from the GST hike in carbon taxes.
1: Thanks, Habin. We'll move to Suhaimi on Malaysia. Um, The unemployment data released last week showed improvement to 3.4%. But uh, Sohaimi, you pointed out that it is a mixed bag of uh, indicators. Why is it the case? And regarding the proposed progressive wage policy, do you see risk of wage pressure, or is it too early to tell? All
3: right, Um. Jobless rate dipped to 3.4% in June after being stuck at 3.5% in February and May. Uh, This is the lowest unemployment rate since 3.3% in February 2020. But youth unemployment rate remained at 11% for the second month in June and remained above the pre-pandemic low of 9.9% in December 2019. While um, underemployment rate, which measures Workers with tertiary education but doing semi-skilled and low-skilled jobs was stuck at 11.9% for the third quarter in a row as of uh, last quarter. Um, Total employment growth was sustained at 2.3% in June compared with 2.4% in May and outpaced labour force growth to explain the dip in unemployment rate. And according to Department of Statistics, there was broad-based increases in jobs across sectors But this include informal jobs as per the data on own account workers defined as daily income earners working as petty traders, hawkers, food stall operators, as well as smallholders and gig workers. This number rose to a record high in June. But manufacturing jobs and incomes growth has been trending lower from the highs in August last year. And similarly, services jobs and income growth also have slowed in the past uh, three quarters. And to note, workers' retrenchment actually has been on the rise year-on-year since February, up to the latest data in July, and rose by 24% year-on-year in the first seven months of uh, this year, compared with a 44% drop last year. So that is what we meant by a mixed bag of job market indicators. On Progressive, which model too early to tell, as... uh, information and details remain sketchy other than it will complement the minimum wage but the progressive wage implementation will be voluntary as well as incentive-based and productivity linked unlike the compulsory minimum wage which by law must be reviewed or hike every two years but together with the prospect of shifting from blanket to targeted field subsidy next year where information and details are also sketchy uh, there is upside risk to our 2.5% inflation rate forecast for next year. Hence, our forecast of OPR staying at current 3% level until end of next year, despite our projections of global benchmark interest rate cuts next year.
1: Malaysia is going to release the second quarter GDP this Friday. What is your expectation?
3: Um, we expect last quarter economic growth to slow to 3% year-on-year from 5.6% year-on-year in the first quarter. Uh, This is based on slower and lower year-on-year growth in output and activity indicators in all sectors. Uh, Services volume index, our proxy for services GDP, slowed last quarter to 5% from first quarter's 8.8%. Industrial production index, which Essentially measures GDP of manufacturing and mining sectors, virtually stagnated last quarter against 2.9 percent growth in first quarter. Crude palm oil output, which indicates direction of agriculture GDP decline last quarter by 6.9 percent against increase of 3.2 percent in first quarter, and value of construction works, which we use to estimate construction GDP, moderated last quarter to 8.1% versus 9.4% in first quarter. Malaysia state election results
1: um, over the weekend, any surprise to you? And do you see any impact on policy or politics such as a uh, reshuffling in the cabinet?
3: No surprise, as we have indicated in our second half 2023 micro outlook, the result of the six state election will mirror the result of the parliament seats contested in those states at the general election in November. Uh, Politics and policy-wise, our baseline view is no impact on federal government, uh, who must now focus on executing and delivering the Madani economy narrative and framework. So on this, uh, there will be key policy announcements next few months after the Madani economy launch and part one of the National Energy Transition Roadmap or NETR last month. We will have part two of NETR plus National Industrial Master Plan 2030 later this month. 12 month uh, sorry, 12th uh, Malaysia Plan midterm review will come next month. Uh, budget 2024 will be tabled on 13 October. And by year end, we expect several acts uh, to be tabled by the government. Things like Fiscal Responsibility Act, Government Procurement Act, Energy Efficiency and Conservation Act. Plus, um, we also expect hydrogen economy and technology roadmap or HETR by year. And on cabinet, uh, there, of course, will be a need to fill in the vacant post of Minister of uh, Domestic Trade and Cost of Living.
1: Thanks, Sir Jaime. We'll move to Erika on China. Um, the data last week looked grim. Uh, exports contraction worsened. A CPI fell to deflation a year on year, although it's just one data point, and credit growth declined um, to a very low level. Is it going to get worse? And Erica, do you think the PBOC will need to uh, ease further in the coming months?
0: Morning, Winston. Um, we think that uh easing by the PBOC may not be the right medicine, and in fact, it might be harmful medicine. Um, The reason is um, what China is facing right now is a demand shortfall due to flagging confidence. So businesses lack the impetus to expand, not because interest rates are too high, but because they're not convinced that the business environment will be conducive for them to thrive. Um, And consumers are saving more, uh, consuming less and investing less. Again, less because um, interest rates are too high, but um, because many of them are not assured of their job security. So monetary easing may not be the silver bullet. And conversely, um, monetary easing may shore up even more imbalances in the economy um, because of the high overall debt levels. Um, plus, uh, lower policy rates would uh, open up a further um, interest rate differential with the global central banks, and this will add to capital outflow pressures. Actually, to uh, to front load central government spending. So, um, for example, uh, the central government can step in to ensure the completion of uh, homes under construction uh, to bring a semblance of confidence to the home buying market. Um, It can ramp up infrastructure projects, and it can also um, step in to roll out more subsidies for consumers uh, to encourage purchases of big ticket items. Right now, uh, there are no good choices. What is clear is that unless more forceful measures are taken by the central government, uh, there is a rising risk that uh, China's economic momentum will weaken further from now. Winston, back to you.
1: Okay. Thanks, Erica. Uh, we'll move to Zamros on Philippines. The second quarter GDP growth slowed to 4.3%, which is a big disappointment versus consensus of about 6%. Where are the key downside surprises and any change to the full year forecast?
4: Hi, morning, Vincent. Uh, Morning, everyone. Yeah, the uh, 4.3% year on year uh, GDP growth in the second quarter is uh, is a big disappointment. If you look back, the uh, period before the pre-pandemic, uh, the 4.3% year-on-year is actually the lowest since the uh, fourth quarter of uh, uh, 2011. Uh, in fact, uh, the economy actually contracted on the uh, quarter and quarter seasonally adjusted at negative 0.9% uh, as compared to 1% expansion in the uh, first quarter of this year. So the main the main disappointment is on the domestic demand whereby it's ah uh, uh, slowed down to 3% year on yes compared to 7.2% in the first quarter uh, mainly due to the uh, slowdown in private consumption uh, to 5.5% from uh, 6.4% in the first quarter now private consumption is the, uh, uh, the biggest uh, element in the in the gdp whereby it's whole about more than 72% of uh, share of uh, total gdp in the philippines Uh, Secondly, the gross fixed capital formation also slowed down to 3.9% from 10.9% in the uh, first quarter. And the main concern is on the uh, public consumption, which actually uh, contracted by 7.1% from 6.2% in the first quarter. But but bear in mind that the uh, public consumption in the uh, first quarter was also affected by the base effect because uh, the uh, second quarter last year uh, public consumption expanded by 10.9% uh, mainly due to the uh, election spending by the government uh, in may uh, in, in the first in the second quarter of uh, last year so with that uh, we uh, change our adjust our forecast fully forecast for this year uh, from 5.5% to 5.2% and also for, for next year, we adjusted upward fr- uh, from 6.2% to 6.5%. Uh, Vincent.
1: The central bank BSP is going to meet this Thursday. Do you think likely no change?
4: Yeah, the the uh, lower than expected growth uh, in the second half uh, plus the uh, continued downward trend in headline inflation whereby we expect the headline inflation to continue uh to achieve, uh, to reach the 2 to 4% BSP target range by the fourth quarter. Uh, we expect uh, BSP to keep the rate unchanged uh, on Thursday this week and also to keep it unchanged for the rest of the year. Uh, Vincent.
1: Thanks, Zamros. We move to Brian on Indonesia as opposed to Philippines, Indonesia posted a small positive surprise on the second quarter GDP. Um can such momentum sustain in the second half? And also do you think slowing credit growth is a concern to uh, to growth prospect?
5: Yeah uh yeah hi Vincent. hi everyone. Yeah so in the second quarter <clears throat> the robust domestic demand uh, uh did help to cushion um the uh, weakening exports. Uh so you had your household consumption government consumption as well as uh, investment all uh, picking up um, but uh, at the same time uh, besides these uh, three factors admittedly inventories and statistical discrepancies did prop up growth as well so uh, inventory accumulation and statistical discrepancies actually contributed 0.5 percentage point more to growth uh, than they did in the previous quarter So in the second half, uh, we think that um, public spending should provide some support to the economy. The government is, uh, for instance, planning to boost spending in the third quarter, um, according to the uh, investment minister, while uh, there will likely be a boost from pre-election spending by political parties towards the year end in the lead up to uh, the election early next year. Um, But there are signs that business investment and household consumption could be slowing even as exports remain soft due to slowing global growth. So credit growth has uh, decelerated to a six-month low of 7.8% year-on-year in June as uh, firms wait and see on CAPEX plans amid rising real interest rates and an uncertain uh, still, I guess, like uh, wait-and-see approach on uh, how the election outcome turns out. So retail sales uh, slipped 4.6% uh, from the previous month in July. And this was actually its consecutive third month of easing. And this indicates that um, private consumption uh, could be seeing some weaken, weakening momentum as the reopening tailwind fades. So overall, we are predicting a uh, slight easing in GB growth to 4.9% year-on-year in the second half. Uh, and um, this implies a full-year forecast of uh, 5%. Back to you, Vincent. Thanks, Brian.
1: Uh, We'll move to Anand on regional equity strategy. Uh, Anand, any key developments or changes in calls you want to share? And also, uh, Thailand, uh, prolonged political limbo. Any sign of a new prime minister to be appointed soon?
6: Yeah, hi. Morning, Vincent. Morning, everyone. So I think uh, as far as the equity markets are concerned in ASEAN, in the last two weeks, we've seen a lot of uh, trading water for their major indices. One sector that has stood out positively is banks, um, in particular the Singapore banks. Uh, so DBS, OCB, CEO, B, you know, they've uh, actually done better than expected on uh, firm margins as well as uh, the prospects of a sharp recovery in fee income uh, led by wealth management as uh, risk, uh, risk-on appetite uh, recovers. So I think that's given us a lead on the uh, other uh, financial sectors in the rest of ASEAN. Uh, with a buy rating uh, and we've also upgraded our call on uh, BBCA uh, or BCA Bank in Indonesia uh, to buy uh, from HOLD. Uh, I think on the Thailand question, uh, unfortunately, the Portugal uncertainty there continues. Thailand continues to be the worst performing market uh, year-to-date in ASEAN. I don't think we're expecting uh, any particularly uh, a clarifying news flow uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're just waiting for the next Prime Minister candidate to be put up uh, and to see how that goes. So I think uh, for that market, uh, we continue to remain externally facing stocks like uh, SEG packaging uh, and Bangchak in the uh, energy space.
1: Malaysia is going to release the new industrial master plan later this month. Do you see this as a new catalyst to domestic equities? What is your
6: thought? I think it will help. Uh, I think uh, you know it follows on the policy momentum we've seen in the last few weeks with the Madani framework uh, release uh, as well as the uh, new energy transition uh, roadmap, uh, which was announced two weeks ago as well. Uh, so, you know, very different from the first half where the market struggled with lack of policy news flow to, to play with. Uh, we're getting an abundance of policy news flow uh, in the second half, and, and that should really open up the field for, uh, for trading uh, on particular sectors and subsectors. I think for the uh, new industrial master plan, the overall aim is to raise the economic complexity of the economy uh, and tech up uh, basically. Uh, the Malaysian corporate sector. Uh, probably the most interesting thing about it is it's going to be mission-based rather than uh, purely numbers. You know, In the past, we would really focus on the amount of investment, uh, but now it's really going to be about how the investment uh, impacts the rest of the economy in terms of linkages to uh, small, medium enterprises, uh, job creation, uh, and domestic demand uh, as well. Uh, I think the sectors we are watching uh, in the announcement, uh, one will be tech, I think uh, we want to move up the value chain there. Uh, Also, petrochemicals, where we want to make a push into sort of uh, ESG-friendly and specialty chemicals, which are higher margin, uh, and also, you know, dovetail with the country's sustainability thematic. Uh, And the third, and and sort of a a new but very interesting industry, is aerospace, which has been growing very aggressively. Um, And, you know, I think uh, the NIMP will look to nurture that growth uh, to make it much more impactful uh, to GDP.
1: Thanks, Anand. We'll move to uh, cheating. Um, Malaysia plantation sector, uh, you, you revise up the CPO price forecast for both 2023 and 2024. Uh, why is it the case? Uh, do you expect higher earnings for the sector and any impact from
7: the El Nino uh, weather risk? Hi, Vincent. I, I, I've i raised my CPO price forecast for 2023 to 3,700 per ton. From uh, 3,400 ringgit per ton and for 2024 to 3,005 from 3,002. Largely due to weaker than expected production output so far for the first seven months of the year, Malaysia's CPO output for that period was down 2% compared to a year ago, despite the availability of foreign workers. Now, this naturally raised concern that uh, 2023's output could end up lower than 2022 despite early optimism at the start of the year of a rebound from 2022's already low base. Now, coupled with low output, there was also higher cost pressures faced by the industry in the first half of this year. And since June, the talk of a possible El Nino and earlier weather scare in the US in terms of dryness, followed by the escalation of tension in the Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, caused the market to price in some weather and as well as uh, war risk premiums in soft commodity prices. These factors have benefited CPO price too, uh, that led to CPO price staying relatively resilient year to date, uh, with active CPO, uh, future CPO and uh, spot CPO prices averaging uh, around 3,008 to 3,900 Ringgit per ton so far for the first seven months. Now, the higher than expected year to date CPO price was also in part supported by recent widening in price gaps between CPO and other major vegetable oils, as well as a narrowed palm oil gas oil spread and a weakened ringgit against dollar. Now the, price, the wide price gaps are needed to stimulate demand in anticipation of a seasonally peak crop in the coming months. Hence, uh, we do expect CPO price to remain under pressure in the second half, And for 2024, our base case assumption is for CPO output to post a recovery uh, unless the sector is hit by a severe El Nino. Now, on your last question on whether I expect uh, higher sector earnings uh, post-CPO price revision, uh, I think it will need to be evaluated on a company-to-company basis as we await fresh guidance on output and cost. Output has largely fell short of expectations thus far in the first half of this year while cost has been high, uh, hence we have, as we forewarned in the past, we expect a challenging two-quarter, second-quarter earnings outlook uh, in this coming season, result season.
1: On another topic, KL Singapore High-Speed Rail, the talks have uh, gained some traction about a revival. What do we know so far and do you see potential beneficiaries in the stock market?
7: Yeah, so I must stress that uh, this uh, KL Singapore High-Speed Rail or HCR revival talks is still at a very early stage. As the Malaysian government has just uh, launched a formal Request for Information, RFI, uh, exercise on the uh, 12th of July to solicit the private sector's interest in constructing the high-speed rail via a public-private partnership and the closing date for this uh, RFI is on fifteen 15th of November. And I think on the 4th of August, uh, the Singapore's Acting Transport Minister was quoted as saying that Singapore is willing to discuss with Malaysia on any new proposal for the high-speed rail. However, he has yet to receive any proposal or any new proposal from Malaysia. Hence, we think the G2G discussion will only start in 2024, uh, which means project implementation and assuming project viability is addressed will only be in 2025 at best. Moreover, uh, for the high spirit to go ahead, two key details uh, still need to be finalized. First is the track alignment. Secondly is the station location. It is not clear if the Malaysian and Singapore governments uh, will agree to adopt the earlier plan to expedite the project. That said, uh, news flow on high-speed rail revival continue to spur interest in listed players that have land bank along the track alignment and or around uh, station stops. Now assuming the old track alignment and proposed stops will be used, we have identified seven potential beneficiaries in this report that we've published. Potential beneficiaries in our buy list are Saim Dabi Property and KL Kepong. Sion Dabi Property have land banks in Labu, and Pago stations, whereas KLK has land bank in Iskandar Putri station. For other likely beneficiaries in our whole call list, are uh, UN Sumrise uh, with land uh, in Iskandar Putri, Sain Dabi Plantation uh, in Labu and Pago, and Genting Plantations in uh, Batu Pahat. For non rated calls, we believe Matrix Concept will benefit from its Labu land. And last but not least, IY Properties Group will benefit from its Millennial Land Bank.
1: Thanks, Chi Ting. We'll move to Yanjin on the shipping sector. On the World Container Index uh, composite rates on a year-on-year basis has drowned, has, uh, has been down quite a lot uh, after the post-pandemic boom, but uh, recently it has risen. Uh, it's increased by more than 10% I think on a week-on-week. Uh, what is your take and outlook on the sector?
0: I We're still expecting a challenging outlook uh, in the shipping moving forward. The freight rates picked up as as expected, driven by the peak shipping season, yet the shipping liners are still cautious, and in fact, they're even less optimistic with their container volume guidance going down. This is due to the remaining high retailers' inventory level and a less active consumer demand. Another challenge is the upcoming surge in capacity expected over the next 6 to 18 months as the shipping liners take delivery of their vessels during the pandemic boom, which was at a record high. In their latest round of results briefing, the shipping liners mostly agreed that the peak shipping season for this year will be slow, expecting uh, their own results to be only break even or even worse in the second half of the year, reflecting the anticipated weakness in the freight rates moving forward.
1: Okay, thanks, Yanjin, and thanks everyone for joining the call. Have a good week.
0: To access our research reports, contact your trading rep at Maybank or read the reports on our trading platform. I'm Noel Limonazian speaks by Maybank.